Hello, friend. Hello. Hello. God damn. I don't know what just happened. Hello, friends. And up. <laughs> Hello, friends. And welcome to episode 555 of the Juice Box Podcast. I might leave that in. One day, a man named Michael sent me a message. I get a lot of messages, so there's nothing inherently new or different about that. But there was something about Michael's tone, even in writing, that made me worried for him a little bit. So I did my best to help him. I pointed him towards some episodes that I thought would help. And um, this is a conversation with that person, who I've really grown to enjoy. And I think you're going to like him, too. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise, please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I saw last night, like you're apprehensive or nervous. And I, I was just really, I'm so excited to talk to you that I was, I was weirded out that you were nervous. I was like, oh God, what did I do to make this guy feel uneasy about this? But are you okay? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm good. Good, good, good. Now I'm super excited to talk to you for reasons that we'll we'll uh we'll get into as we're talking. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Absolutely. The best blood glucose meter I've ever held, touched, or used. The honest, the whatever. I'm raising my hand to the whatever you raise your hand to when you're swearing. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. I love that meter. Check it out. And today we have a new advertiser. Drum roll, please. We don't have any drum roll sound effects. Trial net. Woo! Ba-boom. Just imagine a whole big thing. TrialNet is a sponsor. TrialNet, you know TrialNet. They offer free risk screening. Ooh, risk for what, Scott? Type 1 diabetes. Free type 1 diabetes risk screening. You can do it right from your home if you want to. I'm going to tell you all about it later. But for now, just know this. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. Free type 1 diabetes risk screening. There's some criteria for who's eligible, but it's a lot of people, and I'm going to fill you in in the center. I might even, at the end, I might go all through it. I I haven't decided. It's a lot of information. I don't want to, like, gum up the works. I might tell you a little more in the middle. Well, now I'm doing it here anyway. Anyway, you're going to find out more in a little bit. Welcome, TrialNet. Uh, I think if you're listening from TrialNet, you just heard that. You're super comfortable with where you've spent your ad dollars because that was clear as mud. TrialNet.org forward slash juice box. I promise I'll make it clear later. I'm Mike. and. I'm just a regular, regular dad, and uh, my daughter, she's the uh, T1D warrior. She's 10 years old, and that's, that's about, about it, it, right? <laughs> how, how long ago was she diagnosed? Uh, January of 2020. Wow. Over a year. Yep, yep. When did you and I first speak about? Do you know? I want to say it was March of 2020. Okay, so about three months into her diagnosis. So, um, n- not my brain is very simple, Mike. So things stick out to me for 
reasons. Like, so we're not going to say your last name, but your name is different enough that it sticks out to me. Um, yeah, there are some people uh, that that send me notes, and I'm just I don't know who they are. But you, I'm always aware of who you are. And is it fair to say that by the time you thought to reach to me, you were in a panic? Oh, I was clueless. Okay, <laughs> that's. Uh... Uh, there's, there's no other way about it. It's like, you know, they sent, they sent us home to take care of our daughter with a piece of paper and say, Oh, well, everything just changed, but here's this piece of paper. You got to live by now. <laughs> and that piece of paper wasn't working. It wasn't very helpful. <laughs> um, not, it, it's difficult sometimes to feel people through writing, but you felt like you were vibrating. I don't know. Yeah. If that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then, and then you're not, so then, then I, oh, how do I explain this? So I want to help when I hear from you right away. And then there's, there's this interesting thing that happens too, because the, men don't reach out nearly as much as women do, but the men that reach out are usually very, um, like caregiver oriented dads. Like I don't get, I don't get a lot of guys who are, um, you know, I get up in the morning before the sun, I go to work, I come home, I eat, I grunt, I go to bed. Like, I don't meet those men. You know what I mean? Um, so I know you're going to you're gonna be a person who's really been involved in your kid's life and, and, and has a lot that, you know, a lot going on at the moment. And I, but I'm, I'm so much better at talking to women, Mike. So like I, <laughs> so I, um, so I'm just like, oh, I wonder how this will go. And I feel like, in present day, you guys are doing pretty well. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, we're yeah. Uh, the A one C we got our A one C to about a six point one as of right now, mm-hmm. and we haven't been over a six point five since this whole thing. Okay. What what uh, what was the the, the the origin of the nervousness in the beginning? Like, what had you upset? Uh, the, well, the only thing I knew about diabetes was there was a old man on a commercial that used to say diabetes. And that was the only thing I knew about diabetes. I had no clue. You know, I thought diabetes was just something that old people got. Mm-hmm. And well, all of a sudden that just got thrown out the window. And then it's just something about having to give your child a shot when the most you know about any type of medical thing is rub some dirt in it and you're going to be all right. It was, it was just life changing, total life changing. Yeah. I don't like change too much. And when it just happened overnight, you got to do it. And you can't say no to it or say, well, let me give a, give me a minute to think about it. It's, it's just, here it is and go do it. And that's it. How did you, how did, how did you find me? Like, how did we end up talking? It went from, all right, I'm in a, I'm in a Facebook group for autoblast techs because that's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And I met a guy on there who he's type one and so is his daughter. And, you know, they're, everybody's the same age. Like I'm almost the same age as him. His daughter's the same age as my daughter. And he was like, dude, you need therapy. He just flat out said, you need therapy. You are stressing way too much about this. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't do that. So I started finding like support groups on Facebook. Okay. And then the podcast got brought up a few times. I was like, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm going to try this. 
And I think the first episode I actually listened to was the one that I think was called uh, When You Decided to Share or something like that. Right. It was like one of the first episodes. Yeah. And I was like, man, this dude gets it. And I just keep listening, man. And I learned so much from that. That's really cool because, you know, I think there's a lot to learn here for people because I would think that if you take diabetes out of the mix, you and I don't appear to have anything in common where we would we would meet like in a way where you were in a spot where somebody was telling you, hey, you might need therapy. And you're like, no, I found a guy named Scott. It's going to be fine. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just can't imagine that would happen in, in, uh, without this common denominator for us. Um, and, and not because we come from different walks of life, but just because guys don't really, this is not how we generally do things. Like, like, yeah. you know? It's like, uh, you know, as a dad, you're like, okay, well, I can fix this. You know, you can fix anything. Right. You know, you got a, you got a water pipe busted, you fix it. You got a car broke down, you fix it. And you got problems at school, you go fix it. Mm -hmm. Well, then you get diabetes thrown into the mix. You can't fix that. Right. And, it, and it'll make you crazy. Yes. Yeah. But what I've learned is maybe I can't fix it, but I can manage it. Right. And I could do the best I can to manage it. And that's relieving to know that I can manage it. I agree. So would you say that as a parent, this is the first thing that's come up that didn't have a finite answer? Something that... Yes. Yeah. It's a horrible uh, first thing to be in that situation with. Um, can I ask... This is going to sound disconnected for a second. But has there been much death in your life? Or do most of the people you know, are they still alive? No, there's been uh, 2019. I went to like five different funerals. Oh my! And you know, uh, my dad died. I don't know, ten years ago. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. So when I hear diabetes, the instant thing of oh well, she she got this. We ain't got long. Now it's time to panic. Feels like panic. Yeah, I I asked because until. Until like the last couple of years of my life, I just didn't know many people who had died. It was the it, that's the most finite thing I can think of that you have to deal with because there's no, you know, there's no you don't get to wish your way out of it, right? So uh, diabetes is is like that in that it you know it's just not going to be one hundred percent fixable, um, and then you have to make your peace with that. What do you think would have happened to you if you didn't make peace with it? Uh. Well, I, I didn't sleep for, I don't know, five months. I would sleep 30 minutes at a time. And then up until recently, I, I started setting alarm clocks for every two hours. And then I just realized that I was sitting up from in between and just watching the uh, Dexcom numbers. And that wasn't healthy. Hmm. And I, I think I would have probably had a heart attack at the, at the rate I was going. Yeah, I know that feeling. I really do. I, I've said those words to my wife. I said, I, I have to figure something else out or I'm going to have a heart attack. There's a weird line once the sleep is like once you get past tired and you're just existing in like that zombie state, everything yep. like your chest feels tight and your head feels light. And it's uh, it's it's a bad way to be half to sleep. I you know, it's funny when I when I speak um, in public, you know, so when I'm I'm kind of speaking in a in a set amount of time. It's so management oriented, but at the very end, I throw in these two things. I tell people, if your doctor says no, you should ask why, and you have to get sleep. 
And, and those two little things must seem like they don't go in any way with the bigger conversation, but that's how important I think they are. That if I have the opportunity to say it to anybody, I, I will, I always will. Uh, cause I know what happens. I mean, you, you get on the wrong side of, of exhaustion and it's a, it's a bad deal. Well, Mike, I have to tell you, your notes are, I was talking about this with my wife uh, last night. I was telling her I was going to do this with you today. And I said, this is going to be super interesting. I said, because in the beginning, I couldn't read you in the beginning, you know, and because you're very direct, but then I realized that you're just, you're just a guy communicating. Like it, there's no like fluff to what you write, <laughs> but in the, That's ver- right. <laughs> but in the very beginning, I read it as in the first note or so I read it as demanding. And then I realized it wasn't. And I just demanding meaning like, Hey, I have a question you're now going to answer my question. But then I realized that's not, (laughs) I realized I was like, that's not what this is. It's just, he's just, he's a guy. He's just, he's, you know, he's not going to, there's no, there's no pretty words that go around this. Here's the question. What's the answer? Let's get out of this. Thank you. Um, But I've come to really appreciate our correspondence now because it's, it's quick and I like it that way. And it's like, I try not to bother you. It's like, I actually, I actually communicate with you more than I do our, our team of doctors <laughs> and and there again it's because the our team of doctors they're awesome they're amazing i could not ask for anything better yeah but they're they're all women and it's just weird to just ask for help if you know what i mean I, and with you it's like uh for a while you were just like a faceless ent- entity mm-hmm so I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see you. I don't have to come in contact with you later. I could just ask you a question and it's, it's kind of like the man pride thing, you know? Right. Nobody knows where I'm getting these answers from. I just got the answer. Mike, you're if making that makes me, any sense at all. not only is it making sense, but you're making me think that if I developed a, uh, um, a speaker, like a, like a Amazon echo Siri type speaker, uh, that you could only ask diabetes questions of. I could, I could be rich selling them to people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I do understand, and and I hope the people understand listening too, because you're from you're from the South, right? You're from Louisiana. No, I'm from actually I'm a, I'm in South Carolina. South Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, you're not going to get that bad weather today, are you? Uh, no, it's coming tomorrow. I think. No, no kidding. It's just uh, tornadoes everywhere today. Um, there's like tornado warnings everywhere. Uh, but anyway, but. I, I think that that's, um, you know, I think that's a geographic idea and probably generational too. How old are you? I am 35. 35. So you think it's more geographic, the idea of like, it's hard to ask for help. Like you're saying it's hard to ask women for help for things. Is that right? Yeah. And it, well, it, it's even hard to ask like, like, you know, I, I go to church all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in church a lot now. I find myself in church more since diabetes than before then. Okay. But it's even hard to ask some of my close friends that are males for help. It's like, you know, I'm a man. I can do this by myself. Okay. So it doesn't have and as I, much to do with who you're asking, just in fact that you have to ask at all. That's right. Yeah. I, and just learning. Learning that all the time you can't be Superman is is the biggest lesson diabetes has taught me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. You, you're talking about if a pipe breaks, break a pipe or a fix a pipe. Do you know how many people buy a house and then open a wall and go, 
the guy that fixed this did not know what he was doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's, it really is. It's, I don't think it's appreciated by, uh, by my wife and maybe some other women either, but you do have that feeling as a guy. You're like, I'll just fix this any way I can figure out how to do it. And it, it's often not right. And it just, it's not applicable with diabetes. You can't, like, you can't MacGyver diabetes. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you, you got to have the right tools. And then once you have the right tools, I mean, it's easier. You also are interesting because you you describe yourself, like you're very quick to describe yourself as like a simple person, but you're a type A personality, aren't you? I, I don't, I don't really know. You don't know? You're uh, a perfectionist, <laughs> Mike. Do you, you don't know that about yourself? Or is it just about oh, the yeah, diabetes? Yeah, I am a perfectionist. Okay. <laughs> All right, because it, um, I hear from two different kinds of people most frequently, uh, and I want to I want to say before I before I say this is I got a note from a, a lady yesterday and I was answering her back, and then I apologized. I said I'm sorry I dictated this. There's a lot of spelling mistakes in here. I'm driving, and she's like, Oh, I I did not mean to bother you while you were driving. And I said to her, It's not a bother. I would not have answered you if it was a bother. Like that's like you know like if you're hearing back from me, I mean to. Like you're not pressuring me into into getting back to you is my point. So, but you're um, but so there's two kinds of people that you talk to. Either people are super lost and they need help, right? Or they get mm-hmm. to a point where they're showing you graphs that look like like concrete sidewalks with one little dip in it. And they're like, "What do you think this problem is?" And I'm like, "Ooh, you might be the problem at this point <laughs> because because <laughs> this because this is amazing and you're still worried about it and you've." You've come a, f- a long way, but you would send me stuff, and I'd be like, "Wow, I can't believe he's this worried about this graph. This graph looks pretty good." And so, can you talk about the the desire to make it perfect? It's like uh, I seen this thing that was somebody sent me a picture about you know high what high blood uh, high blood sugar does over a course of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's 10. She's got a long life ahead of her. So the flatter I can keep this line now, you know, the the bigger my chances of, you know, normal life stuff, like having grandkids by her and, and you know, walking her down the aisle. That's, that, that's, my, that's my end game to this. I want to see her be successful as an adult. Okay. You feel like you're buying time. Exactly. Okay. So now you are, and at the same time, you aren't. And Jenny reminds me of this when I talk to her sometimes, and I'm glad she does, that you could manage your daughter's blood sugar perfectly for a decade. And if she goes off at 20 years old and doesn't match that management, if it gets lesser, the damage that will come from that time will not be bolstered by the good job you did the first 10 years. So a big part of your job all of our jobs really as parents is going to be to figure it out and then figure out how to explain it in a way that makes it doable for them. Not just doable functionally, but in a way that makes it so that they want to do it so that it's easy enough to do that. It doesn't feel burdensome, which is, I think maybe the bigger challenge. Yeah. And most of my, uh, micromanaging that, uh, cause I understand I micromanage it to a, extreme let's put it that way Mm -hmm. but most of my micromanaging she doesn't even know is taking place because you know with with the omnipod and the dexcom i can just look at her numbers 
and take her PDM and make any adjustment I need to do real quick. And she don't even know what I'm doing half the time. Right. And she's just now starting to be carb conscious. Like a, a friend of mine, he, he loves those uh, monster energy drinks. Mm-hmm. And she grabbed his can and looked at the carbs and was like, look how many carbs in this. And she went on a whole tirade about that, <laughs> which was awesome because at least she, that was the first time that I've seen her actually look at a label. Okay. So she's picking up, she's just picking up really slowly. Yeah. It takes and, time. I just last night, um, Arden came to me kind of late and she's like, I'm thinking about a snack. And I was like, all right. I said, well, let's bowl us now. And, and, um, she was like 120, so we're at the end of a pump. So she's like a little, a little higher than I want her to be. So we're trying to get through the end of the pump. And I said, "Well, let's bolus now because it's going to take a little longer." And then she went to get food, and I said, "I'm going to put 45 carbs in here," you know, because she was talking about grapes and something else. And uh, but then she waited a little long and thought, "Well, since I'm lower than I mean to be now, I'm going to grab chocolate milk instead." And so the carb count was the same, but the impact was different. And I didn't like, I wasn't with her and she didn't think to say to me, Hey, I took this instead of that. And I do think that that's a disconnect for her. Like, I don't think she, she, I don't think she was considering the, like the glycemic load of the food. And, you know, I guess I don't really want her wandering around worrying about that all the time, but it would have been nice last night because then it created a situation where we had to bowl us again and it got out of, you know, got out of where we wanted it to be and turned into a little fight that lasted like, you know, 45 minutes uh, fight with the insulin and the food. I mean, um, but it, it just it made me feel like it's going to take time. So all I did this morning was when I saw her, I said, hey, last night when you swap this out for that, that put us in a situation where we actually needed more insulin. You know, this hits you harder than these do. And she was like, OK. And I left like I didn't. I didn't make an issue of it or anything like that because it's a long fight. You know what I mean? That's right. And see, I, I'm, I know I, I, I kind of sounded a little sexist in the beginning of this, <laughs> but I, I do want to say that, you know, my wife, she is an absolute rock star at this. Like I, I could not do what she does. Like I handled most of the technology end of it and I handled the doctor's appointments and I come up with the, I, I'm, I'm a coach. I, I, I coached Little League football for a while. Uh, I'm coaching my son still as he's in high school, even though I'm not on the field with him. I'm still coaching him as far as weight training and all this good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I come up with the game plan and she executes it and she executes it perfectly. She she does all the meal prep. She does the, the dosing and all this good stuff. But I handle, you know, the, the I do the research. I do. I do the techno, all the changing outs. I do, you know, all the emergency. Oh, well, we got a, we got a low blood sugar. What do we do here? And, and, but, but my wife is a rock star at this. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's funny. Two things. First, I didn't think you sounded sexist. I, I, I felt like you sounded a little like traditional is, is just kind of how it felt to me. Like my father would have had trouble, um, asking a woman for help. Like he just would have. And I don't know why, and I'm not saying it's right, but he would have. I, I, it didn't come off as sexist to me. It just felt like it might have been your truth. Um, so are you saying with your wife, like, you have the worry and she does the work? Is that kind that's of, right. that's the division? That's right. Did you do that? 
because that's where you fit naturally or were you protecting your wife? Protecting my wife from having to deal with any other stress. Yeah. No, I, I feel that. I feel like that a lot here too. Um, like I don't want this to fall to anybody else. They were very similar, Mike, uh, in a, in, a, in a number of ways. You have that feeling that you just like, well, I'll just, I'll do it all, right? Like, uh, like let the bad stuff fall on my shoulders, and then I'll filter it and give it to them. Um, That's right. Yeah, I hear you. You feel like you're going to be dead sooner because I do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I think about that, but <laughs> I. Just recently, I started actually going back to the gym and, and finding time to take care of myself. Good. It's incredibly important because that now you've become, a, and you will as time goes, I mean, your daughter's only 10. You have a lot of, you got a lot of time in this even before she even talks about moving out or going to college or something like that. So you're going to be a repository of information in the next decade. Uh, she can't lose you now. Like you just became, you're going to, you're just going to become valuable. You know what I mean? You're going to be like a, a set of encyclopedias for. Her. But how do you but but it, it, you're so early in it. I think about it more now, but like how do you set up um a situation where she'll feel comfortable asking you 21 years old sitting in a dorm room somewhere wondering about a bolus like like how do you make it so it's so comfortable that she just sends you a text and says Hey, I'm about to have this. I don't know how to bolus for it. You know, do you have any idea? And and it'd be that easy, just a couple seconds and and on your way again. Like I get texts from my son while he's at school about things he doesn't understand all the time. You know, they're just not about health. I got uh, like a two part answer. Mm. One, you know, when I've been so open with all of my kids about every aspect of my life. And there was some pretty dark years before kids. And I've been so open with it. And, you know, we don't try to, I've, I've never sugarcoated anything, anything to it. I, I, I just, you see, you see the way I, I text. I, it's just blunt and to the point. Yeah. And that's the way I've always talked to them. I said, you know, this is this because of this. And that there's, there's no way around it. And then two, I'm learning with her, if I make it a joke, if I, if I make her laugh during a question, she'll come ask me another one. Because the interaction's pleasant for her. Yep. Yeah. That's smart. That's really smart. You didn't, didn't imagine diabetes was going to make you a better father, did you? I had no clue, man. I thought, I thought it was going to make me a neurotic mess for a long time. <laughs> I got to tell you, six, eight months ago, I would have put $50 on you falling apart. Just so you know. <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it's interesting, though, because you had you had the one thing that that people need. It, it was desire. Like, really, you had the, the desire and the focus to figure it out. And I find that that to be very important when I'm speaking to people. There are some people who are as lost as lost could be, but you can tell it doesn't matter. They're not giving up. And it's like part part of the, the, the reason why that I, I, I was just, I'm, I'm so determined to get diabetes right or as right as I possibly can was the year before my daughter got diagnosed, my sister donated a kidney to a random stranger. And he ended up with kidney problems because of the lack of taking care of his diabetes. And 
so this is fresh in my mind that this just happened. And then my daughter gets diagnosed huh. and I, uh, you know, uh, just the father side of me says, I cannot let that happen. That's how I feel about it. So I, I'm with you. And, and the younger, you know, it's funny. There's this trade-off. Like you say, like, oh, Scott's daughter was diagnosed when she was two. It's great. She doesn't know another way. But, you know, the other side of it is when Arden was diagnosed back when she was two, which is now going to be, I mean, we're coming up on, Jesus, 15 years ago, maybe? Like she was two and she's going to be 17 this summer. So th- we're coming up on that, right? And, you know, Back then, one of the things a doctor said to me to comfort me was, don't worry, complications from diabetes don't start for 30 years. And I thought, so when she's 32, like. That's exactly what I thought. Too. Yeah, like, that doesn't feel like a upbeat thing to say to me right now. Uh, but that was the that was the vibe that I was left with which was, hey, don't worry, your daughter's not going to have real health problems till she's 32. And I thought to myself, I didn't even know which way was up until I was 29. <laughs> like, you're, you know, like, you're exactly. gonna, <laughs> she going to get three good years, you're telling me? I was like, I was like, wait, what's going on here? And, and that was part of what pushed me to try to figure it out more. But I think, too, it's an interesting conversation with you because I think, too, that putting myself in the position of being the one who was who, even if it's not true, even if my wife was working just as hard and worried just as much as I was, which I believe she was, I still told myself this was on me. And so I almost had to figure it out because I didn't think I'd be able to hold it forever. And see, I took a lot of the, the weight of this for a long time, for a good five months. It was my fault. Mm. and no, nobody could tell me different because you know we ended up in ICU with her in DKA the night before that you know she's laying on the couch and she just started you know her, her cycle so you know I think that's what's wrong with it and they, they, they had just started putting out a Valentine's Day candy on the shelves so I'm at the store and I see it and I was like, hey, I'm going to get her some chocolate. She'll feel better. That's one thing I did learn from my wife. Chocolate makes everything better. <laughs> but uh, so I gave a child who I don't know at this point is in DKA a box of chocolate. Hmm. And the next day when, when we had to go to the hospital and we found out it was diabetes, just the guilt of that dollar box of chocolate was almost enough to push me over the edge Wow, in that moment right because without yeah. any context you and you'd feel every ounce of that as being the worst thing you could have possibly done yep yeah and it, it took a while to swallow that it yeah. really did meanwhile like how many stories have you heard on the podcast or people are like I was on my way to the hospital and I was like one more go or there was a lady recently it hasn't been on yet she said that uh She's a younger girl, actually. She she called a friend who had diabetes, and her friend was like, "Get a big soda on the way. It's the last one you're ever gonna have." <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard ones where where somebody took their kid to a ball game and then went out to dinner. Yeah, and I was like, okay, maybe that's not as bad as okay. Maybe I'm good. <laughs> maybe you did all right, right? Well, no, it, isn't it interesting? Like you didn't do it on purpose, but other people who see it coming, 
they're literally like, I just want one more day without this being an issue, which is, listen, academically foolish and emotionally, I understand it. So, That's right. Yeah. But it just, uh, yeah, I mean, you didn't do anything. Now you know you're past it. You, but I'll tell you, the the guilt's hard to let go of for a lot. I, I don't know if you heard that episode uh, a number of weeks ago with uh, Francisco Leone was on talking about Teplizumab. And um, I always just thought, like, you know, Arden had hand, foot, mouth, uh, Coxsackie virus prior to getting diagnosed, which he talked about is, like, he, he believes, he actually said he believes that coming up with a vaccine for Coxsackie virus will go a long way towards getting rid of type 1 diabetes. And huh. that nothing I could have done would have stopped her from getting Coxsackie. Because there was a long time in there where I just felt like, I told him, like, did I not wash my hands one time before I made dinner? Was I taking her to the wrong place? You know what I mean? Like I had that whole feeling like we're very um, like we take our kids places like when they're little, like, you know, you know, I think we had Cole, Cole in a movie theater. He was, you know, breastfeeding. He was a couple weeks old and, you know, I would take Arden to the zoo and she was six months old and Walker. Like, should I have not have done that? Like it's always how he feels. And uh, he just, he absolved me. I felt like I was in confession and he was like, it's okay. People, I don't know how many different ways I can say this to you, but you need and you deserve an accurate blood glucose meter. That's it. I know in the age of CGMs, right, you've got a Dexcom, you think, I don't need a meter, but you do. You still need a meter. And if you're going to have one anyway, and we know you're going to have one, why would you not have a good one? And I don't just mean like a good one, like not middle of the road. Get yourself a great blood glucose meter. It's not that hard, and they're not that expensive. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is that glucose meter for me. Arden uses it. We love it. It is super simple to hold and handle. It has second chance test strips, a bright light for nighttime testing. You know, sometimes you need to need, you know, you need to, uh, I lost my word. You know, sometimes you need to test your blood sugar in the dark. Uh, we're not bats, so we're going to need a light right on the front of the meter. Bing! Like, whew, nice and bright. Lights up the whole area. Also, the screen. Easy to read. Also, I find I like to, like, when the screen lights up, I use it for some ambient lighting at night when I'm testing. It's a big word, ambient. Probably, you're probably pretty impressed right now. But don't worry about me and my great grasp of the language. That's not what you should be excited about. You should be excited about having a great meter. A meter that, by the way, may be cheaper in cash than you're paying right now through your insurance. Or you can just run it through your insurance, too. It really doesn't matter, but you have options. And those options are all spelled out at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. But all that rigmarole aside, I want you to have a good, accurate meter that's easy to use and easy to carry. And that's why I'm glad, happy, actually thrilled that the Contour Next One blood glucose meter is a sponsor of the podcast. So for those of you who don't know what TrialNet is, again, it is a free, I want to stress free because there are other options out there that cost money, but TrialNet is free. It is a free type 1 diabetes risk screening. Now, at the very end of the episode, I'm going to go through probably a solid minute of information so you can really understand the nuts and bolts here, but here it is, brass tacks. 
trialnet.org forward slash juice box. That's it. Go there, answer the questions. And if you're eligible, whoom, here comes your free risk screening. You can do it in your house. I mean, you could go do it in a lab if you wanted to, but you can actually do it. At your, it's just, it's super simple. And if you want to know if you have the genetic markers for type one diabetes or if some loved one of yours has them, this is the way to find out. And there's a ton of good reasons to want to know. I'm going to tell you about them at the end, as well as the steps you can take. So for the show, for the podcast, just asking for the kit doesn't give me credit. Okay. So all of you out there that want to help me, please don't just do that. Okay. Don't just order the kit and not do anything with it. You have to follow through. You actually have to send it back in. And that's when the podcast gets credit for you using the kit. So I just want to mention that because I know you guys love me and I know you want to help, but just don't order them because you think you're helping Scott. Okay. Only order them if you can complete them and send them back in. I do want to add here that when you use my link, there's going to be a drop down box to ask you where you heard about it. If you don't choose Juicebox Podcast, they're not going to know you came through me, even though you came through my link. So use the podcast, trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. But then when they ask you where you heard about it, please choose Juicebox Podcast. I'm going to give you all the other details at the end of the episode. You didn't, you know, it's not your fault. And, um, it was a big deal for me. Even 15 years later, I still wondered if I didn't just take her to the wrong place at the wrong time or do something that, you know, even indirectly that could have impacted this. But I think Arden was getting diabetes one way or the other eventually. I think it all happens for a reason. And that's, that's, you know, you, you knew how stressed out I was about coming on to this podcast. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know what, I just got to get over it we got to do it because you know I, I don't know if there's some other 35 year old redneck sitting in his pickup truck somewhere you know beating a steering wheel trying to figure out how to deal with this and if something i say can inspire him to you know stay in the game a little longer you know uh, i think that's you know that that's why my daughter got this vicious disease you know well, not only will your conversation help somebody, and it might be a person like you, but I know it's going to help people who have not one thing in common with you, too, because you're going to have a perspective that they just never dreamt up before. And um, and that's going to be interesting. I mean, listen, right now, I would imagine there's a female doctor listening to this who never once thought, I bet you guys might have trouble asking me for help. I wonder how I wonder how that impacts what I do. Because it's all true. Like, you can sit around and be judgy about it. Like, Mike, Mike shouldn't feel weird about asking women or, or nobody should. Okay, perfect world, 100%. But that doesn't mean that's not how that works. You know, um, some guys have trouble listening to authority at all. So so do some women. There's been plenty of stubborn women on here, you know, who are like, I don't listen to people. I'm like, all right, well, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. God, nothing I can do about it, but maybe you should, maybe you'll hear something that might be valuable for you. Um, no, I, I like this a lot. I, I really do. I'm not just because your messages just now they crack me up because, and not because you're funny, but because I remember thinking like, what's up with this guy. And now I don't feel like that anymore. So now when I get a message <laughs> from you, I'm like, Oh, it's Mike. <laughs> but, uh, but so what did you figure out? that's been most valuable for your daughter so far 
through all this? Like, I mean, you went through all this consternation and you're hand wringing and upset and, and guilt ridden, but what came out of it? That if I don't stress about the small stuff, the big stuff don't seem so big. And if I'm okay, if I'm calm, she's going to be all right. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and the time it is, you know, with the stress, you know, we, we, you can't hide from the stress. The stress is going to be there. So I might, I might go take a shower and cry in the shower and come back out. She never knows that anything's wrong. And as long as she don't feel like nothing's wrong, she's fine. That's where I used to like to cry, Mike. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my spot. Hey, it's 530. I need a shower. Kelly's like, weird time to take a shower. I'm like, yeah, I just need a shower. Just. But, yep. oh yeah, it was just it basically what it was is I had been up all night and then, you know, six, seven o'clock in the morning with a with a two year old who had diabetes and I had made it about as far as I could without screaming, throwing something or crying. And I just thought, you know, crying's probably better than punching a wall, so I'll, I'll go do that now. And uh and I agree. Like you have to find a place to to reset your emotions where you can't see. I I mean, listen <laughs> I, you know, there's plenty of people who have cried in a hospital room at a diagnosis and stuff like that. That's not the same thing. Like that's a, that's in that moment. It's upsetting, but you're saying a year later, five years later, if you know, you're upset, um, it, it, all it does is show the other person that you don't understand this either. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's not comforting for a 10 year old. <laughs> That she, that's right yeah she she's got a number of more years where she gets to believe that you're superman you know that's right that's yeah. right and you know uh keeping a smile on your face while you're dealing with a blood sugar over 200 is a hard thing to do yeah and but you you, you got to do it you got to do it because you know once once she sees you lose your emotions she, she, it, her emotions just going to make the blood sugar go up higher anyway. I fail at that um, more often than I'd like to think I do. And I think it's possible. I was just honest about it here so that one day, if Arden ever listens back to this whole thing, she'll know I knew. But um, yeah, there are times where sometimes it's not even like, it's not even anxiety. It's like you kind of go into your head to figure it out. And I know for me, like I lose all the tone in my face and my face looks upset while well, I'm thinking like, well, the food went here and the insulin went there and it's day two of the pump. Like, and you're kind of like doing all that math in your head and, you know, and you're disappointed like sometimes, and it's not ever in the blood sugar, really. I'm always just disappointed in either myself or, you know, a decision I made earlier that messed me up now, that, that kind of stuff. And and I, I should even say it's not disappointment. Like I'm not beating myself up about it. It's just momentary. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you know, you know, you could have done that better, yeah. but you didn't. Yeah, you're being honest with yourself for a second. Like I'm not, I'm not self-flagellating. It's not, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, gonna spend the next twenty minutes beating myself up about it. But in that moment, you're just like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And um, you, you know, I, I don't know if you, anybody has ever played baseball and you get caught off a base and as you're diving back and you know, you're going to get picked off. Like there's a, there's a lifetime worth of regret while your hands reaching for the back. You're just like, Oh, I screwed this up. And, and, uh, and then it's over. You stand up and it's over, you know? Um, 
but when and we when, had, we had like a, a battle with ketones, our first one, mm-hmm. and it ended up being something wrong with the pump, and we we got over that. But ever since then, I go into my notepad in my phone. If if she has to get insulin, if she eats something, I I write down every detail of and and. and or why it worked or why it didn't work. Because uh, kids love tacos. Tacos, I think, were made by the devil. <laughs> because they hit so crazy. But we almost got it to where it ain't going over uh, 180 after she eats the tacos, like three hours later. And that feels like a hell of a win, doesn't it? And yes, it does. And you don't want to forget and how you did it. That's right, because it's just so... Not all carbs are created equal. Mm. And, you know, coming from a bodybuilding type atmosphere to, you know, all all I needed to know was the protein content to, well, now all these carbs and now there's these, is it fruit carbs? Is it uh, a bakery carb? I mean, they all hit different. Yeah. There's a, um, I guess it's a Mexican like chain restaurant around here called Moe's. And oh yeah, like Moe's. And it's one thing like I've asked Darn, I was like, please don't eat the nachos from Moe's. Like if you could just like so she'll if she gets something from there, she'll bring them home and pair it with like a store bought chip that is I, I know how to handle. But the Moe's chips are just I can't I mean, there there feels like there's not enough insulin to, to get it right. Um and there's still times where I'm like, you know, Go ahead and grab them if you want, but she's even like, "No, nah, it's all right. I won't." Like she knows, and I'm hoping that that's a lesson for her down the line. That there are some things that it's just better to, you know, you don't need those most chips to live. You know what I mean? Like I'm hoping she gets that in her head that there are going to be a couple things she's going to avoid um, because it's just going to make more trouble than it's worth. That's right. And like in in the beginning, you know, they sent us out of the hospital. We got this piece of paper. And it also count carbs and divide it, and that's how much insulin we get. Well, then I read the side effects and the possible complications from insulin. And I was just like, okay, well, this is an easy fix. We're not going to eat any carbs. And I almost died two weeks in because of lack of carbs. I could not physically go another day. So we started with like 30 carbs a meal. And she's, you're just not happy not eating that many carbs when you're used to eating pretty much whatever you wanted to. We don't, we're not carb crazy. We don't, and and, and if people are, that's fine, mm-hmm. but we it just don't work for us. Right. And I don't really say, hey, you can't eat that. You can't do this. You can't do that. But I limit what she can have. But like stuff like cereal, cereal is just impossible. I have not figured out cereal yet. It's uh took me a long time to get that right. Like a significantly long time. And in the end, the answer ended up being it's just it, for Arden. It was just way more insulin than I could have imagined. That ended up just being the whole thing for her. It's, you know, she needs a pre bolus. Don't get me wrong. You need, starting with a lower number is incredibly helpful, but it's just way more than you think. So, uh, and, and it might be different for other people. And it took me a long time to figure that out because of something that you mentioned earlier is because at some point there's an amount of insulin, insulin where you're like, well, if I mess this up the wrong way, 
this is a lot of insulin. And, you know, like, I don't want to make that mistake going the other way. So I just did it incrementally, just had a bowl of cereal, went wrong, corrected it, moved the correction into the bolus, just kept going until all the insulin was there uh, when it needed to be and ended up working. But having said that, Arden's older now and, you know, she might have a bowl of cereal like a month, you know, not like she was back then, just day after day, you know, when she was little and. Uh, oh my God, I messed it up so many times. <laughs> it's like, I think you, you actually talked me through, it was her birthday and you actually talked me through the biggest carb meal she has ever ate. And it went perfectly. That's cool. I'm glad a hundred carbs. And I almost had a heart attack giving her the, the shot. Cause that was when we was on just the insulin pins. Yeah. Scariest day of my life. I, I, it was, I just knew something bad was going to happen, but nothing did. It all worked out. I well, I'm sorry it was a scary day for you. I have to tell you, like you, you got right to, like you figured me out because I was like, little girl's birthday. All right, I'll help. Like <laughs> I don't want some little girl to have a birthday because I wouldn't, I wouldn't text with her dad for a couple of minutes. I was like, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you knew how to get me, Mike. That was easy. <laughs> I was, uh, I was in then. I'm so happy that it went well for you. Well, uh, and in the end, it was just put the insulin in the right place and use enough of it. That's right. Yeah. And, and wait, just the wait. The... When we were, we were originally told to give insulin after she ate. Oh, because I don't know why, but that's just what they told us to do. And I would notice her sugar would be like, 200 before it even started to come down mm-hmm. and then i kept hearing this word bolus i didn't know what a bolus was I, and then pre-bolus got added to it like, what is a pre-bolus so i started google is my friend so i look all this up and i'm like oh and i think it came uh the the i ended up seeing something about 15 minutes before or something like that and we started doing that and that has worked amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting the insulin in the right place is incredibly important. I, I'll tell you, I say it all the time. I, it still kind of fascinates me every time. But doing those defining diabetes episodes, those shorter episodes where you just take one term and talk them through, I, you know, I didn't realize how valuable those would be. It was, it really, I, I say it over and over again, but it wasn't until somebody told me I didn't know I used MDI until someone told me I did. And I thought, wow, people need to understand the terms because they're trying to employ these tools. They don't even know what they are. Like it's, I mean, how much easier would it be if somebody just laid out for you like, hey, guess what? This is what hypoglycemia is. Let's not assume that people understand anything. And, you know, let's let's just define everything and not turn it into some classroom lesson that's boring and nobody wants to listen to, like, People don't understand. You can put information in the world, but if it's not accessible, and accessible doesn't just mean that I can find it, but if it's not accessible intellectually or emotionally, people don't bother with it. Like they have to want to listen to it, then they have to actually listen to it, and it has to be in a way that it sticks with you when it's over. Um, and then you have to realize that you put something into the world, and it's it's red hot because it's it's new, and six months later. There's someone new who doesn't know what it's what it is. Uh, just last night, someone asked me, 
um, online. They're like, I wish I understood why my kid's blood sugar goes up in the morning. And my first thought, as I guess as a content creator, is I went over this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's in the thing. Go find it, right? But I can't expect that. So I'm just like, okay, hey, well, I would try this episode and this episode. There's two Defining Diabetes episodes about... Uh, you know, one of them's called Feet on the Floor and one of them's called, you know, this and go listen to those. And then you hear back from the person. Oh, that was great. That's exactly what was happening to me. So you have to also you have to also realize that if you're going to be putting this information out, that you're going to be doing it over and over again. And you can't feel like, oh, I've already said this because it's um, helping people with diabetes is a lot like being a parent in my mind in that. You have to say the same thing over and over again a million times and never say it once like you're irritated or bothered by it. And if you can do that, then you can help a lot of people. But if you get all like, I already said this, then, you know, you you put a nice thing out into the world that nobody can find anymore. It's like uh, I've gotten comfortable enough now to go on some of these Facebook groups. And when somebody has a question, you know, I'm comfortable enough now to put my two cents into it and I always make sure to tell them, you know, they're doing great. No matter what the situation is, I tell them they're doing great. And that's what I'm learning. People will listen to you a little bit more, you know, when you're not scolding them and wagging your finger at them, you know? Yeah. 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 Listen, when you're looking down at a 20 foot hole and there's a person in the bottom of it that fell into it leading with, how did you not see that? It's probably not a good way to make them feel good about it. That's right. Throw them down a rope. I can't believe you fell down there. That was asinine. <laughs> Wasn't it? I mean, it's a big hole. There's a sign. You didn't see the sign? Thanks. No, I didn't. I'm in the hole. So now you just, yeah, you need to be kind. I, I, I do my best online to just say good job to people. I mean, it's, um, it, it's becoming, you know, it's a self-perpetuating problem. The more popular, the more popular the podcast gets, the more people there are to say a good job to, which is delightful, but it's hard to keep up with. And, um, and sometimes I think, oh, I hope, I know I missed people and I hope they understand that I just don't, I don't see everything, you know, but every time, great job, well done. This is amazing because it is, and somebody should say it. So for especially, all, especially seeing so many parents trying, they're, they're, they're trying. And that's all, it, this, this is all diabetes takes is the effort. Mm. If you're willing to put the effort in, you're going to get good results. Yeah, as long as you know which way to put the effort. I mean, because there's nothing right. there's nothing worse, right, than putting in all that effort, doing it wrong. You still put the effort out, and you get nothing in return. You still have the same problem when it's over. It's um, it's like trying to dig a hole with a keyboard. You, you just, you know, you're killing yourself, and you're not getting anywhere. So I just like to make sure they're holding a shovel when they're digging a hole. That's all. That's right. You know, it's uh, it seems simple. Hey, your job has become... If I'm understanding what your job is, I'm fascinated by your job because I am a person who things seem to hit my windshield every win- year or so. <laughs> but it's turned into like a real home job. Like it used to have to go to a guy and take it to a place and drop it off. And now like somebody just rolls up to your house and an hour later is like, uh, can I get a check? And they leave. It's amazing. It's Yeah. Uh, I still do everything in shop. I'm still very old school mm-hmm. uh, just because I can control the climate. Okay. Uh, but there's there's thousands of guys out there now doing it and yards and it and, and you know there's some really great technicians that still do it on the road like that yeah 
I've got a guy. I've got a guy that's so good at it, but he's one of those people. It's funny when you talk about how how people seem to other people. He's a guy that if I pulled him out of the world and said, "Here, talk to this man for ten minutes," would you let him replace the windshield in your car? You'd go, nah, "I don't think so," but he's so good at it. Like it's just that is every single auto glass technician. I promise you, we're all the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't find that one guy. He's awkward to text with. It's, it's funny now that I'm talking about it. He's he's. Inch, I like talking to him in person. I hate talking to him on the phone, and he does an amazing job. I can promise you he hates talking on the phone at the same as much as you do. <laughs> so I'm just reading his desire to get the hell out of this phone call, I see. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, but you got to have a guy that does a good job with that because something is going to smack your windshield eventually. And then, you know, where? but I'll tell you, I've never felt so good about my life There's that my auto policy has that $100 glass thing. Like no matter what piece of glass I break, it cost me one hundred dollars to get it fixed. And it is worth it to keep it. I promise you. I'll tell you, oh, trust me, I know I, I know over and over and we we once broke that we had a glass on the top of our car and we broke that. And mm. I was like, Oh God, this is gonna be expensive. Nope, it's a hundred dollars. I was like, Yeah, finally. There you go. Things go my way, Mike. <laughs> See, we're in South Carolina, you don't have to pay nothing. Really? Yep. Oh, that would be it's, better. It's, yeah, because they know the roads here are so bad. You can't drive without getting something broke. <laughs> I once got a windshield broken at a spot on a highway, and five years later, at what felt like the exact same spot on the highway, a windshield in a different car got broken. Oh, wow. And I thought, is that a coincidence, or is there something about the pitch of this road? Like, like is the whole world <laughs> breaking windshields right here? Like, I, I don't know. I've, I've, it happened so long ago, and I can't let go of it. Every time I drive through there, I'm like, here it comes. <laughs> so, You're watching your windshield. Make sure. <laughs> I'm just this close to rolling the window down and waving my hand in front of the car while I'm just <laughs> trying to knock. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's hilarious. Um so is there anything that we didn't talk about that you were hoping to, or were you just hoping not to? I was hoping not to sound like a moron this whole time. <laughs> that was, he had small goals. Well, you didn't sound like a moron, so that that's that, that's a mission Goal accomplished. accomplished. Yeah, a mission accomplished. You're all set. Um, your daughter now is using an insulin pump? That's right. She's using uh, Omnipod. And a CGM, uh, Dexcom. That's right. And are you thinking of going to Omnipod 5 when the algorithm comes out? The, you're talking about the Horizon thing? Yeah, they changed the name of it. So, yeah, Horizon. Did they really? Yeah, they call, they're calling it Omnipod 5 now. Um, but is that on your, is that on your, should I say, is that on the Horizon for you? Because that seems very <laughs> ham-fisted. But are you thinking about that? I, I am. Uh, but, you know, with any new technology, there's going to be some kinks in it. So I'm going to be kind of slow getting to it because I'm comfortable with this Omnipod. I understand how to use it. I understand all the little different things I could do with it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait and just read what people say about the new Omnipod when it comes out. Okay. Well, I think we're going to try it. So I should be able to tell you how it goes. Um, Just trying to get a hold of it right now. So there was in one of your, one of your episodes, you said, you know, you don't want to be the person, uh, that looks up one day and realizes that nobody treats diabetes this way anymore. Yeah. And, you know, so I really try to keep an eye out on what's, what's coming down. Yeah. I I just think don't jump for the sake of jumping, but don't, 
get into a position where you're like, wait, no one does it like this. You know, like you you don't want to, you don't want to get so comfortable. Like in my opinion, like, you know, you don't want to be in your mid thirties saying, Hey, I got a 6.7 a one C it's great. Sure. That kid over there has a five, three, but uh, this is good because you know, it's situational for your, it's situational for the part of time when you come up, like, cause for that 35 year old person, you know, that used the goal used to be eight and they're 6.7. They're like, wow, I'm killing this. Um, and I don't have to learn anything else to do this, but if there's, I'm not saying that one day that, you know, you're going to have an A1, everyone's going to have an A1C in the fours, but I mean, maybe they will like, maybe the technology will get so good that that'll actually be possible. I have no idea, but wouldn't that be cool? And if that's happening, you know, you don't want to be the person who's like, oh, I just don't want to do it. Now, that feeling from me comes from my buddy, Mike. So, But he came up in a regular and MPH world, and he stayed with that for so much longer than he should have. And then once he tried to go to a, a faster-acting insulin um, with a, and a basal, he was just like, he was just, he had been doing it for so long, he couldn't figure it out. And, you know, it, it just, he waited too long. And I, and I realized that coming from regular and MPH going to Novolog is not going to be the same as having a six, seven on a pump and being able to get a five with an algorithm. But, you know, I, I mean, it's still, the idea is still there. It's just maybe not as harsh as my example, but I don't know. That's, that's uh, colored how I think of it. Yeah. Slow, slow and steady change is better than a big jump. Yeah, you let that's, me, and that's what I'm learning. Diabetes is definitely a good teacher on that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, let somebody like me do that, and let Jenny figure that out, and then tell you which way's up, and you can decide what you want to do for yourself. But yeah, everybody shouldn't be jumping like that. That freaks me out when people are like, "I, uh, I uh, got a T Slim. Now I have a Medtronic. I'm gonna get an Omnipod." I thought I'm like, just like, wow, get a puppy. You need something to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> just. You sound bored. <laughs> I don't know. I I, uh, I have a friend who replaces televisions before they're done. And I'm like, why? This one still works. She's like, that one's better. I'm like, but the one you have is still fine. Like, just use it a little longer or sell it or do something. Like, I don't know. I just, I, they're jumping around too much. I get it. Like, technology can feel like that. But it's when it's your health, it's a little weird. But, I mean, I guess to each his own. What do I really care if you want to jump around and some pumps? Doesn't matter to me. Um. So, Mike, do you have any questions? Like, I mean, you have plenty of questions when we're not on the podcast. Do you have any now? Uh, actually, not, not, not right now because uh, I think I, I think I actually got a good handle on it now. Yeah, that's excellent. As I say that, something's bound to happen in the next couple of days where I'm like, oh, well, I got to text Scott. If you, if you text me anything in the next couple of days, it's going in the end of this episode. I'm going to read it into. The, <laughs> I'm going to read it into it at the end when uh when I go to do editing on this. Well, I mean, listen, man, I, I, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I really do. Like you, you've, um, our relationship has been very unique and I just thought it would be strange not to document it like this at the end here. Um, because you are gonna, you are gonna ride off into the sunset. Like you have that very, you have that feeling about you. Like you're get you're, you're there and you know, you're fine tuning now. And, um, it's been very interesting uh, to watch you figure the whole thing out. And, you know, I know you said you try to tell people they're doing a good job, but if no one's told you, let me be the, 
let me be the first one to say it to you because you started about as confused as I've ever seen anybody. And the person you are now just a year later is, um, it's fairly, uh, it's impressive what you, what you've accomplished and and the things you've kind of gotten through and climbed over to get to, to the place you are now. So yeah, great job. I appreciate that. I just want to say thank you for letting me come on here and, and ramble on for a little while. And, uh, what you do is an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you fully grasp how much you actually help people or not, but it's, it definitely is life changing what you do. That's very nice. I appreciate it. Listen, I try to grasp it, but by the time I get downstairs and mention it to anyone else, they beat it right back out of me again. So don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they must have a sensor. I don't know if it's an air sensor or if it's something on me, but the, everyone must get a signal on their phone. It's like, oh, he's starting to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him back down to level. Hold on a second. I, 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 um, I interviewed three girls last night at the same time. Mike, I, thirteen-year-old uh, girl, a fifteen-year-old girl, and a seventeen-year-old girl. They all live on Grand Cayman Island together, which is apparently a place that's only about twenty-nine miles across, and only sixty thousand people live on it. And these three girls have type one diabetes and found each other, and it just was such an an interesting thing to talk to them and. And to learn about them and see how they just, you know, they created this little, this little group that they, that they exist. And I mean, I don't know, how many 17 year olds do you know are very good friends with a 13 year old? You know what I mean? Yep. And, and these three girls are just, they're just far enough in age that they don't kind of belong together, but then you talk to them and they fit perfectly. And I'm having this conversation with them. It was really delightful. I, I loved it. I get done. My wife's like, how was it? And I started telling her, and she goes, Cole said, so Cole walks past the door, heard me say something, and I don't know what I said, but he goes down to my wife and he goes, why do people listen to him? <laughs> and I was, <laughs> and he goes, I don't know, he's like, he said this, and then he laughed, I don't know why people listen to this, and, and my wife's like, it's, you know, a, a lot of people do, and he's like, I don't understand it, and so that's what I, like, I'm going to hear from you that I help a lot of people, and then I'm going to walk out that door, and people are going to be like, oh, it's him, <laughs> so... <laughs> I imagine it's the same in everyone else's home too, uh, between them and their children and et cetera. But, uh, I really appreciate your sentiment. And, um, if it makes you, um, happy to know, I am aware of what the podcast does and, um, trying very hard to not let it, uh, cloud how I do it. So I'm just trying to, to keep going and and do it the way that I know that it works. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get to the end of this one day and look back and see that I lost my mind at some point because it's a heady thing for one person to tell you, hey, you did a thing that helped me this much and it's health related. Uh, and when that turns into 10 people, it feels nice. When it's 100 people, it's overwhelming. When it becomes thousands of people, it's um, you have to work to keep perspective about it. And um, I feel like I've done that. Uh, I try, I, I sat and answered emails last night and each one of them was really amazing and it felt very important to me. But if I told you that I probably had 20 emails that read exactly like that from last month, from 20 different people, like I'm not lying. And so it's, um, it's an interesting exercise to answer everybody as a unique person and not feel like you're recycling your feelings. So, um, 
I'm learning a lot about myself too doing this. So I appreciate the opportunity from all you guys. Yeah. Seriously. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Listen, I appreciate you calling yourself a redneck too while you're on. Like I thought that was just the most delightful part of it. I don't think colloquially I'm allowed to put it in the title, but um <laughs> but uh <laughs> it was very interesting uh to 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 hear somebody just very casually be like, you know. <laughs> I was like that's yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to say goodbye, and then I'm going to tell you something I said on a recording recently that I'm struggling as to whether or not I can keep in. So thank you very much. Hold on one second. First, and first, I'd like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Also, there are links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. I also want to thank the new sponsor, TrialNet trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. When you get there and you're signing up for your free type 1 diabetes risk screening kit, don't forget to tell them when it asks you, where'd you hear about this? You say juicebox podcast. It's a drop down box. You choose juicebox podcast. You'll see. It'll be right there. I'm going to give you all the details after the music. But first, I want to thank Michael for coming on the show. I really, like I said, enjoy Michael and I was thrilled to talk with him. Okay, I'm looking at my email here with all of the pertinent information, expertly written by my friend at TrialNet. But first, I want to give you a summary of TrialNet. It is available at no cost to relatives of people with type 1 diabetes. TrialNet risk screening identifies T1D in its earliest stages, often years before symptoms appear. Early detection allows you to take steps to try to change the course of the disease. TrialNet offers prevention studies, testing, and ways to slow or stop the disease progression. For people who take part in clinical trials, the risk of diabetic ketoacidosis, a serious and potential life-threatening condition, drops from 30% to less than 3%. You know, so when you're hearing all those stories of people who are diagnosed in DKA, you know, being in these trials, from 30% to 3%. Okay, so here it is. Step one, eligibility trialnet.org forward slash juice box. Immediate family members under the age of 45 and second degree family members under the age of 20. You will qualify for risk screening if you are between the ages of two and a half and 45 years old and have a parent, brother, sister, or child with type 1 diabetes. You will qualify if you are between the ages of two and a half and 20 years old and have an aunt, uncle, cousin, grandparent, niece, nephew, or half-brother or sister who has type 1 diabetes. You will also be eligible if you have tested positive for autoantibodies outside of TrialNet. Okay, that's step one. That's eligibility. The signing up part is next. Visit trialnet.org forward slash juicebox, answer a few quick questions to see if you are eligible, and then join thousands of T1D families on the pathway to prevention. Don't forget when they ask you where you heard about this, say Juicebox Podcast, or they will not know you came from me. So that's the part where you'll be able to help the podcast. And remember, it's not just asking for it that helps the podcast. It's asking for it, saying you heard from it through me, completing the kit, and returning it. That's a complete cycle. Without a complete cycle, it doesn't matter if you came through my link. Now, after you do all that, a kit is going to get delivered right to your door. In-home testing kit. 
right? This free kit provides everything you need to collect a finger stick blood sample from the safety of your own home. You can ship it back free using FedEx contactless at home pickup, right? Or you can ask for a lab test kit and then you can take the free screening kit to any Quest Diagnostics or LabCorp lab for a blood draw. That's it. Oh, wait, that's not it. There's actually, oh my goodness, look at this. Trial net locations near you. So you might even be able to do that. All right, so let's go over that again. In-home test kit where you collect it yourself, send it back free through FedEx. A lab test kit that you take to Quest Diagnostics or LabCorp. Or you might be able to find a trial net location near you. It is pretty uh, handy. Now, step four are the results. You will receive your screening results in four to six weeks. If your results show that you are in early stages of T1D, TrialNet will schedule a follow-up visit to see if you are eligible for a prevention study. Isn't that cool? Now, why would you want to do this? Here's some quick facts. T1D family members are at a 15 times greater risk to develop type 1 diabetes than the general population. T1D risk screening will detect if you are in the early stages of type 1. If you are identified as at risk, TrialNet is then there for you. They have prevention trials. If your screening results show you are in early stages of type 1, you may be eligible to join a prevention study and help test ways to slow or stop the disease progression. They also have ongoing monitoring by top type 1 diabetes researchers. And if you develop type 1, being monitored in a clinical research study like TrialNet decreases your chances of DKA, again, from 30% to 3%. And if that's not enough, you can help the greater good. A future without type 1 diabetes could start with you. Research can only advance with participants. The more participants who are involved in clinical research, the faster we will get answers. You're in a unique position to identify treatments that will slow or stop T1D from happening. In the last 20 years, TrialNet has been the leading network in type 1 diabetes prevention research. In addition to being able to accurately predict who is going to develop type 1 diabetes, TrialNet has now found a way to delay it by leading the teplizumab prevention trial. Teplizumab is the first drug to delay T1D for a median of two years. This is an incredible advancement that gets us all one step closer to our ultimate goal, a future without type 1. TrialNet.org forward slash juicebox. Tell them you came through me, get your kit, get it back to them, find out what's up. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast.